0: Welcome to the United Podcast. It's your co-host, Larry, and as always, it's got Tom with me. Tom, you've had a rough day. United had a rough morning. It's just rough times all round, eh? Well, it's one of those
1: Mondays, you know, when you just sort of walk around. You've had a rough night the night before. It's early morning on a Monday, and you just sort of, like, you walk past a bank or something, and you start copy- You start having a look and think, okay, where are the security cameras? Is there a possibility I can do what they do in the movies and rob this bank? You just want everything to finish, and just your world just. Uh, Go in a different direction. But um, that is what Man United do to you on first thing on a Monday morning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know what? A more decent time for us here in Australia. But look, i, I got to be honest, Tom. I It wasn't a game that was the most exciting for me. I know that you, know, you, you made a good point when we discussed it and you said... Look, it was a a competitive game. I think as a footballer, you would have enjoyed playing in that match because whoever scored, you would have really felt that, you know, that hard shift, that hard work really did come to fruition. But look, I just think from a spectator's perspective, there's not really too much to cover. But what were your overall thoughts on the football match? It was a weird one because I think
1: the match that sort of springs to mind is that first match that 6-2 against Leeds and it was sort of end-to-end stuff and it's fully what everyone expected in that game and I think it's what everyone expected again in this game, however it was the complete opposite and it's pretty much the first time in memory, especially in my memory, that Bielsa has, I don't know if you'd call it park the bus, but he really sat deep and it was defence yeah. first. And um, that was surprising. I think that caught Solskjaer off guard as well. And I wouldn't criticise yeah, Solskjaer absolutely. for that. I, d- I definitely wouldn't criticise him for that. It was just the game didn't pan out. And like, I think it was the big inclusion and maybe was our uh, sort of weak spot, especially in the final third, was Dan James. Because the way the game panned out, it wasn't a Dan James game. However, mm. you look at the first game when he included him, it was the right inclusion because of the way the game was going to go. And I thought Solskjaer had that same feeling. And it just didn't happen
0: yeah um obviously united get a draw it's still a point on the board and when you look at the top four we're pretty much there i think it'll take a lot for united to even let go of second place i don't understand the outrage and we had this conversation with andy midden when he came on this podcast and the the overreaction online when there's a win or a loss it's just it's phenomenal when we win a game we're going to go on next season and win the Champions League. And when we draw a game against a side that has taken points from Manchester City and Liverpool this season, Oli out is trending on Twitter.
1: Yeah, well, look, I think it's only we need four points from five games to qualify for the top four. So it's guaranteed to me we're in the top four, which I look at, which we go back to, I pretty much say to every podcast, we said at the start of the season, if he can qualify comfortably for the top four, Okay, trophies are achievements. That's what we want to sort of aspire to achieve. But at the end of the day, we do have to take small steps. And he's on track to have a look well, sort of in inverted commas um, a successful season.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, also, I don't understand the criticism around leaving Pogba out. For those who aren't and haven't thought of this, Pogba is a. a from all reports, he is actually fasting during Ramadan. He is a practicing Muslim. Do you think that comes into Solskjaer's thought process when he's selecting the team? And also keeping in mind we do have an international an international, a, Euro, a European match, a massive European match at that against Roma midweek.
1: Well, you mentioned the thing about Ramadan there, I didn't give that any thought, but yeah, I'm sure especially if Solskjaer's in which he obviously is, is in communication with him, that's obviously gonna play a factor. But also I'm And it was
0: an early kickoff, so he wouldn't have been drinking or eating. Yeah, well when it's the a team it's also a professional footballer.
1: No, definitely. But when the news was announced, team news was announced. I was thinking, oh, okay, a little bit weak from Solskjaer. I don't quite agree with that. I would have played Cavani and Pogba. However, it wasn't until fifteen, twenty minutes, twenty minutes into the game, where the commentator sort of reminded me of the Roma match, and then I thought, oh God, I'm actually now, now that he said that, I'm quite, kind of shocked. Solskjaer has gone as strong as he was. I'm almost at the case now of resting everyone in the Premier League to um make sure everyone is fit for Roma because unfortunately City have got pretty much two hands on the EPL title, so all our eggs should go into the Europa League basket now, and Pogba and Cavani, I think what Solskjaer has highlighted with that team selection is I think he now values um, Pogba and Cavani as the two key men for him.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can I ask, I mean, it's clear United didn't win this game because we weren't good enough in the final third, and... I don't even think we created enough chances. Um, I just think there was a need for a creative outlet. Now, of course, Paul Pogba's the obvious one. I think this could have been a game for a one mutter, I think this could have been a game for a van de Beek. He comes on quite late in the piece, the Dutchman, and it just makes you wonder. I mean, that's the only criticism even. Uh, I think criticism even is too big a word. The only... Sort of feedback, you know, I guess, from the from the game. But you, it's say just the...
1: you say that, and I look. Yes, completely agree. However, that's after we've seen the match. Before the match, if we're going off the evidence of that 6-2 game, it's completely not a one-matter game or a Donny van der Beek. It is a Dan James game. But the game just didn't pan out like that, and Solskjaer just wasn't prepared. And again, not a criticism of Solskjaer, but the team just wasn't prepared for the way Leeds set up. And credit to Leeds, they got the result they wanted. And uh, but it's the first time Leeds have ever done that, so you uh, have to fa- say fair play. Yeah, to but know.
0: but Tom, do, I mean, at the end of the day, after the first half, it was very clear how Leeds had set up. There should be enough adaptability amongst the coaching staff to identify that Leeds clearly weren't going full throttle like they did at Old Trafford. They learnt their lesson, and I think there was enough in that first 45 minutes to say, okay, we need to have a bit of a creative outlet. Maybe let's pull Dan James off and put on a van Beek.
1: But is it still a case of, which, yes, look, I agree with him at halftime, I'm calling for subs, but I put myself in Solskjaer's shoes, and it is a little bit of a case where, look, we're dominating the game. I want to rest Cavani, I want to rest Pogba. I'll just give these players, just an, I'll give them an extra 10-15 minutes to try and get the job done. And if they can get that goal around the 60, 70th minute mark, well then I can keep Pogba and Cavani on the bench and that's the ideal scenario. So I, I had a feeling when I was watching it, while yes, I'm screaming, make a change, make a change. I can see from Solskjaer's point of view saying, look, these guys are out there, we're dominating. If we can grab a goal, this could turn into the perfect afternoon of a result and rest in my best players. I don't think he wanted to bring Pogba and Cavani on.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. no, you know what, you could be right. And look, if we go on to get a very comfortable victory against Roma come Friday, yeah. um, I, I, don't, I think this will, game will clearly be in the back of our memory. All right, Tom, Law. Well, let's not go into the game too much. There wasn't too much to analyse, but what we will enjoy is going through the 3-2-1. So who was your man of the match for the Leeds nil-all-draw spectacular
1: well, nil or draw, it's always sort of probably going to be towards the back end of the pitch and the defenders, and it was a clear one for me. Um, both maybe even even in an attacking sense a little bit, but especially defensively, um, wan Basaka. I thought, a very good performance.
0: Yeah, no disagreements from me there. It's clearly the best player on the pitch. And I'm going to take the honours for two points. I thought his fellow defender in Harry Maguire had quite a good match.
1: Yeah, I th- think more so in the attacking point of view. And, of course, he had sort of his one or two headers where he always gets on the end of a corner and doesn't hit the target. But he led a lot of the attacks by just driving out of the, the defence with the ball. And I think a lot of that was the way Leeds were setting up. They weren't sort of high-pressing in the defence. So Harry mm. Maguire, sort of he got the ball, and Lindelof did it occasionally as well, where he was there and thinking, OK, what do I do? Where's the pass? Hang on, I don't need to pass here. They're not pressing. I can take the ball forward in the space here. And I think it's sort of his... Driving into that midfield area was a key factor in us dominating the game, and not many teams sort of really dominate the ball against Leeds. But I thought Maguire was key in that. Um, yeah, and a clean sheet. He wasn't really tested def- defensively too much, but um, I thought Maguire, or, or even one Bissaka's fellow, fellow, fullback Luke Shaw. I, I thought it
0: would probably stay in the um, the defensive part of the field for me. All right, I think we found our three two ones. To the two point, the, sorry, to the man who wears, oh wait, he doesn't wear number two, does he? All right, well, that goes out the window. Well, Victor Lindelof, no. uh, we didn't
1: mention Viktor Lindelof, but I still can't get over that we have a number two who plays at center back. The number Yeah, two that's outrageous.
0: Right yeah, agreed. Maybe he wears number two because he's quite, he's quite lean, isn't he? He's quite slander. He, he, got he's got the body got shape of the, a fullback. Yeah, he really does. Just not the pace of one. Not the athleticism of one. But you know what? I will give Lindelof one bit of credit. He did one ball over the top. That was excellent for yeah. Rashford. And I've got people on Twitter claiming he's the next Paul Scholes. So oh, that, that was a funny Rashford,
1: point. I think, look, it's very easy sitting on the couch on the other side of the wall. But Rashford should chip the goalkeeper there. The yeah, well, I agree so with you.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, no. I think uh, I definitely agree with you. But look, I guess, you know, in, in a football match, Rashford's composure has improved so much. So I'm not going to be too critical I think maybe in two or three years, he'll he'll chip the player in that situation. Yeah. All right, Tom. Well, um, I'll give it to you for the comments. Yeah,
1: a few comments. So Rob just said, almost agrees with us, give wan all six points. So he split up his three, two, ones, all in the favour of the fullback. Emma has gone Wan-Bissaka for three points as well. Fred for two and Luke Shaw for one. Um, Josh goes, didn't need that sleeping tablet um, after watching that game. And Ian over from Perth and a good member of our pro clubs team, um, Bruno. Vis- I'll throw this to you, um, Larry. Bruno's visible frustration with the younger lads like James and Greenwood. Do you think this encourages them or sort of gets into their heads? And I would think overall it would encourage them, it would motivate, or keep them on their toes. However, mm. there was a case where I probably agree with Ian there saying I think with Dan James, I think it. I don't think Dan James really sort of minds. I just think it weighs on him. I think the next time Dan James get he gets the ball, I'm thinking. He's sort of looking at Bruno going, God, I need to do the right thing by him now. And he's sort of not really playing off the cuff. He's playing to sort of not piss off Bruno.
0: Yeah, I feel bad for Dan James. Um, I think in Mason's case, it's good because he's a young lad. And when when you're a young player and you're, well, let me rephrase this. When you're a young millionaire Mm -hmm. um, and you've got ridiculous amounts of money, Um, it's very easy to lose your head, particularly after what's been a very promising month for Mason. You you know, he's been playing good football. I think it's important to have the professionals like a Bruno Fernandes who can hold you accountable, you know, when you do something bad to say, no, that's not good enough, You, you know, you need to go again. In Dan James' case, I feel bad for him because... He obviously lacks the quality, all right? I don't think that... And that's not me trying to be an asshole about it. I think that's clear for everyone to see. He's not as good as a footballer when you look at the rest of our attacking options. So I feel in Dan James' case, you're criticising him for something that he's not capable of doing much better. We've highlighted it. The reason he was picked is we had the idea in our heads that the match would be very much how it was at Old Trafford. Leeds would come onto us. It'd leave heaps of space in behind, and that's where Dan James thrives. So in the Welshman's case, I do feel a bit bad. Hey, Tom, speaking of Welshman's, um, do you want to talk about Ryan Giggs, or um, is it best we don't do that? Well, the
1: Premier League definitely don't want to talk about him because they've just announced their first two inductees to the Hall of Fame, and Ryan Giggs should be first name off the top of the sheet. However, he's obviously not for a certain amount of reasons in the current news, but um, Alan Shearer and um, Thierry Henry, who have got, have both gone in, um, Andy Cole has more Premier League titles than the two of them, so I think he should have been in there. But, um, yeah, I'm probably less said about gigs the better.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, for me, no criticism of those Premier League inductees. Um, look, for, take Arsenal out of it. Therion Reid's one of the best footballers I've watched. And well, it no, was a no, pleasure to watch yeah, him. He no, was, no, those two are
1: definitely, definitely in there. Like, again, their first name off the sheet, but you just look at Man United and what they've achieved throughout the Premier League. Um, We have to dominate that Hall of Fame
0: Just on success and individual honours And uh, I'm sure we will But in terms of If you look at Alan Shearer Like his goal record for one Like bloody hell Most goals in the Premier League era I think that goes without saying And Terry Henry, What a footballer Alright Tom um, Well that's something a little bit different Um, We do obviously have Roma on the horizon And I thought Before we actually review or, or preview that game Let's look at uh, the last time United got to versus Roma in a European game. Of course, the Europa League is a much more monumentous occasion. But I thought, you know, let's go back to the second tier European uh, league, which is the Champions League, of course. And I thought, let's go through those goals um, and just any talking points that come out of it. Because let's face it, that Leeds match didn't give us a lot to talk about. So here's something else instead. You ready? All good. All right, let's go. All right, so I'm watching a babyface Ronaldo come out. You highlighted to me the Roma, this game where United won 7 1, was Cristiano Ronaldo's first European goal. That's outrageous.
1: Yeah, it's crazy when you see all the stats, all his European records and Champions League stats. He's like, the world, he just leads, I think, it's him and Messi goal for goal. But you look yeah. at the head start Messi had because Ronaldo didn't score for those first three or four years in Europe.
0: No, he didn't. Oh, just seen a miss by Toddy there. He was a good player, Toddy. Well, Roma won the first leg,
1: 2-1. They're a very good team there. De Rossi, um, Toddy. um, Actually, De Rossi scored a very good goal in this game. It meant nothing. But um, they're a very good team. I remember the nerves going into this game because we're on the brink of going out because we lost 2-1 in Rome.
0: I've just watched Michael Carrick score. And you know what? You look at our current side. That is the... For me... United's number one priority needs to be a deep lying playmaker. I think that actually is immediate. Well, I know there's all this talk for a right winger, but I just I look at what a Michael Carrick would do to, in this side. It's a must for me.
1: I think I've said occasionally. You look at all the best teams in the world um, throughout whatever era, whether it be this era or you look at now. You look at the Bayern Munich, You look at Man City. Unfortunately. Um, oh,
0: Alan Smith just scored they've all got That's someone a player in we don't need.
1: Well, Speaking of leads, yeah, the Alan Smith goal But just back onto the Carrick role All the best teams have a great player in that role And at the moment, look, Fred has his positives Scott McTominay has his, has his positives Are they going into a Bayern Munich team? Are they going into a PSG team? Are they going into Manchester City? Of course not And yes, we love them And hopefully they can provide something good and unique that uni- That benefits United But overall, yeah, they don't sort of have that quality
0: yeah, it's funny. During this period, actually, United were, you know, on the road. They are almost through a rebuilding phase, much like we are now. Because when we had the likes of Alan Smith, it was very critical. Um, if you remember at the time, there was even some members of the United fan base questioning Fergie and whether he should go. Oh, Wayne Rooney just scores to make it 4-2 on aggregate and 3-0 for United in this match. Um, Again, a player like Wayne Rooney... I mean, very different to a Bruno Fernandes, but in some ways very similar, both very energetic. But you know what? It's, I think it's now in retirement, you really appreciate how good Wayne Rooney was. He was, for me, as brilliant as he, like, he was so brilliant. And I just think he's so underappreciated by, one, United fans for sure, but across, like, world football for sure. He, he's just not appreciated for me. Maybe more so in England than any other country. one of
1: the things that stuck out to me was, I was watching a sort of compilation of Rooney, the other day and the thing that really stuck out to me was the longevity which I don't think he really gets the credit for I was seeing goals you're looking at goals here in the six o seven season when you think he's sort of back in Fer- Fergie had another team after that era and you look at well Rooney was a key part of that but Rooney was also playing under Jose Mourinho over a decade later you just think yeah. the longevity I think is something we look at Ryan Giggs we look at Paul Scholes we never really put Wayne Rooney in that category but he obviously deserves to be you just look at it
0: yeah, I've just seen Ronaldo drift in. Um he, he's shot he shoots wide, but we really lack a play on that right hand side. I-, I love Mason Greenwood, don't get me wrong, but you can just see he's clearly going to be a striker who's playing out wide. Um and you look at the way Ronaldo was here in his you know, he was he was borderline world class at this point. Just looking at him now, yeah, he's just scored his goal going near post. Like if United can get that top quality right winger for next season, and when you look at what Marcus Rashford's numbers have produced this season, along with Bruno, you get a top class right winger. Man, United will be so dangerous. I think
1: it was highlighted yesterday against Leeds, and look, it's definitely look. I liked Dan James, but we have to be critical where we where we see so, and um, it was highlighted against Leeds just that just lack of quality on the ball. But I think you look at that chance that goes through to both him and Bruno. Look, let's throw the obvious name out there in Jaden Sancho. Jaden mm. Sancho controls that ball and he goes in on goal with Dan James it's like unfortunately not a surprise that he miscontrolled it and
0: ultimately that's that's going to prove the difference at the highest level. When you look at Dan James Tom is a do you think his brain's just racing too fast because there are times where he's been able to produce a good touch and have a good goal and he seems quite composed when he gets to put his eyes up and finish. Is it the lack of quality or do you think there's just the lack of self-belief or possibly an element of both?
1: Yeah, uh, I think with him it's maybe just a case of everything. I think it's the players around him. I think he's such a different player um, to the players around him. I look when Juan Mata comes in on the right-hand side and he links up with smart plays. He links up beautiful with Anthony Martial, with Donny van Der Beek, with Bruno, with Pogba, because they read the game the same way. I think Dan James, and I don't want to use this as a... As a thing to slate him with but i'll classify him as a championship player not so much in levels of ability but that thought process he's 100 a star, mile an hour yeah. he, he's okay get the ball go forward where other players are a little bit more intricate and i think dan james is just on a different wavelength and when he gets the ball his first instinct is saying do this and then he's thinking well hang on the players want me to do this the manager wants me to do this then he's suddenly in a, in a tie of knots and he doesn't exactly know what to do and um yeah look, look i like him i think he he, he can still contribute but um yeah, when you do see the best teams around the world and the quality they have in that area of the pitch, mm. look, there's no hiding. We do need to improve on that.
0: Yeah, Ronaldo scores his double here. And you look at the ball Ryan Giggs puts in from the left. It's it's amazing to me how much the winger position has evolved. Um You know, a left footer who drives down the left, gets the ball in, where that's almost the responsibility of the fullback now. Your wingers are very much inside forwards. I think this is probably the era where
1: it first started to change. You think before Ronaldo came in, it was Ryan Giggs on the left, David Beckham on the right, and that's how United played. It was simple, okay, get the ball out to them, and they cross it in. Where When Beckham left and Ronaldo came in, it was, okay, in the first 10 minutes, Ronaldo was on the right, then 20 minutes later, he was on the left, and... I'm not going to say United set a trend there Obviously it was happening probably mm. before that And during that era as well But um, I think so much of the football in eyes Were always on Man United And especially Ronaldo coming through And that ability to play on the left hand side And cut in um, It's a game changer now Because pretty much it's not heard of now Dan James is probably the only right winger Who plays on the right hand side
0: Yeah, uh, Toddy just scores an unbelievable goal Oh was it Toddy? Um, I thought it was De Rossi who scored the goal uh, no, well it's, well, it's 6-1 now. So maybe he scores the second. I actually don't remember. this. Uh, how old was I when this game happened?
1: I just said, well, so speaking of 5-1. left and right, I remember Patrice Ever, He just scored there. He came on as a substitute. He came on at yeah. right back that game.
0: Yeah, he did too. Can, can you tell me why United had gold print on the back? Was there was a, a reason?
1: It was always a Champions League edition. Um, United always had a... Well, you know how we have the Champions League font now? Um, yeah, yeah. It was like a Champions League font. All um, oh, right,
0: I'm like I'm looking at it, and I'm like, did did we win anything significant for it to be gold?
1: No, United <laughs> always had a like a Champions League shirt. It was always you look back at the treble shirt, um, the treble winning season. It was like a shinier material, and um, there was a sponsorship issue in the mid '90s. We had Umbro on our shirt, but then remember the '94 '95 shirt where we had the theater at the Old Trafford Stadium sort of embedded in the um, uh, shirt yeah, itself, yeah. and there was another Umbro in the seat in there. And they couldn't, you couldn't have umbro twice on the shirt or some st- stupid rule like that. So um, United had a, just a new shirt where they just got rid of that and just made sort of a, a shinier version for European competitions, I think. Oh, which which I, I think would be criminal to bring in now. You look at the way sort of fans are robbed and have to buy shirts, and there's three shirts. And if you had a Champions League edition, you'd have, God, you'd have six, seven, eight, nine, ten shirts a season, which is, would be absolutely criminal. But there is something about it about it for me, which I do like it. I just like that special occasion of a, a European night at Old Trafford. Just something a little bit different.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And and that's pretty much that game. Man, looking back at these memories, it, it really does hit home. Like, United for how's, as good... And, you know, this season hasn't been so bad for me. We've played some really good football at times, some really poor football at times. But I think that speaks to where this current side is. Um, I've got to say, and just thinking back now, do you think... Do you think United are missing Anthony Martial? I know he's had a poor season, and obviously I love him, but I just think he he like when I look at that game yesterday, I think that was the game for someone like him, who can be a bit more comfortable back to goal. As much as I love Rashford, he, he just he's never going to be comfortable. And like I think that the whole front three they, they came, they had a, obviously a flow about them. When one player went, you know, right, then the other would go in the middle, and we saw Mason drift out the left at times. But I think we just really struggled with out Cavani there, a player who's comfortable back to goal but can also dribble out of defence.
1: Look, yeah, the question in regards to did we miss Anthony Marshall? I'd say we'd miss Anthony Marshall if it was the Marshall who was playing well. If it was the Marshall who was playing poorly, no, we didn't miss him. But he is that type of player, which we've said on here before. Okay, Cavani is the out-and-out best striker we have in terms of old-fashioned number nine. But if you want to, and I know that people aren't, aren't going to like this, and I'm not, look, football's about opinions, definitely not a fact. But if you just look at an, an attacking player, so Rashford, Greenwood, um, probably not Bruno Fernandes, he's probably maybe a little bit deeper and probably out of this category a little bit. But Cavani, Greenwood, Rashford, James, Rashford, and all those players, Martial's our best attacker. He, like, in terms of everything and the quality he has, he's got unbelievable quality on the ball. Now, what he has been judged on this season, and rightly so, because he's playing in that centre-forward position, is goals. And he's failed on that mm-hmm. That that um, that count, so he definitely deserves to be criticised. But when he plays well, he's got 10 times more quality than anyone in that final third. Now, hopefully Mason Greenwood could potentially sort of trump that in a few years' time. But, yeah, Martial, yeah, if he was playing well, now it just gives you that extra dimension because Cavani's in and out, you never know what you're quite going to get performance-wise. You know you're going to potentially get goals. Rashford is getting the goals, but his performance is, oh my God, it sort of leaves a lot to be desired at times. You think, what is he doing out there? But credit to him, he has the goals which put him over Martial this season. But um, I, I'm with you, I think we do miss Martial if he's playing well. And unfortunately this season he probably hasn't been playing too
0: well, so it shows you what you know, football opinion is like. We've been talking about COVID lockdown, and look, I know we're just going on a tangent here, Tom, but... You know, we we think about the lockdowns. We've looked at what's happened in the UK. We've spoken to people in the UK and how they've struggled with lockdown. Do you think there's an element of that with the football players? You know, obviously playing out there, I mean, the highs of professional football is getting to play in front of tens of thousands of people every week. They're not getting that opportunity at the moment. So I just, I wonder if you look at a player like Anthony Martial, who's quite shy, quite reserved. I just wonder if the thrill of a crowd yelling behind him just... Maybe it's that little spark in him that he's probably missing. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to find a reason for why we've seen this massive drop-off in him this season. Well, look, not only that, and that football point, the 90 minutes on a Saturday is a huge part of, part of it.
1: But also, it's the six other days during the week where he's another human being. He's going to face the same challenges. Now, those challenges, obviously, we all sit here, and they're different types of challenges because the money that people like that have um, do make things a lot easier at times, obviously. But it's still little things, Okay, like going out to a restaurant or going to get a haircut or something like that. These players who go about their business on a day-to-day now, they've just been in lockdown like everyone else. Now, yes, they have the greatest mansions, they can afford whatever they want. Um, I'm sure they've um, got a far more luxurious lockdown than the other people, but yeah, I'm sure it affects them. It's only natural. Being
0: stuck at home is being stuck at home, no matter if your house is yeah. on a you know 100-metre square land or... Yeah. An acre, it, you know, if you're stuck on a piece of land and you can't do much other than train and play football, and you know they can't go out in the public eye anyway, I imagine it's quite difficult. Yeah, no, look, look, and at the end of the day, other players are in the same situation
1: and they've been performing. So Marshall, yeah, he definitely does true. deserve criticism, but look, it's not about making excuses, but there are excuses sometimes. There are reasons, and we do need to sort of accept those sometimes. Unfortunately.
0: Would you sell Anthony Martial uh, in this upcoming transfer window if you were Ole Gunnar Solskjaer?
1: i never like to make a... Look, I'm not, the, I'm not selling him. I'm not the manager. I'm not the CEO. But I'd never like to make a rash decision on someone after one season. Now, obviously, Martial's been here a few seasons, but he was Player of the Year the year before. So I wouldn't say, OK, he's had one bad season. Get rid of him. I think if you have sort of reached that height of being our Player of the Season... I think that is a little bit of credit in the bank. I think it would be foolish to sell him now. I think just because you could see him going somewhere in Spain and tearing it up or into Italy and tearing it up. We've mm. seen what players like Lukaku, who Martial for me is a far better footballer than Lukaku, Lukaku's been killing it in Italy by all reports. So uh, yeah. I, I think it would be a mistake. Look, if the money came in and United said, look, okay, we want to get Haaland or Sancho, and the only way to do that is by getting rid of Anthony Martial. It's something you definitely look at, and potentially is the right thing to do. But in terms of just a single decision of do you sell Anthony Martial, I'd I'd be inclined to give him another season, um, and just hope this is a this is a poor season by his standards.
0: Mm. No, I'm I'm with you there. We've always done the Rashford Martial comparison. I think this is a fun time to do it. Uh, you're looking at both players now, so let's look at you know in terms of their careers at this point in time. Who do you think has the higher ceiling at this point? I think we've both agreed it's Martial, but I'm just wondering after this current season, ha- have you changed your opinion? Do either of them go on to be world-class players, you know, players who, yeah, we're not, you know, I'm not going to put anyone in the Ronaldo-Messi bracket. I think those are once-in-a-lifetime athletes, but do you think that either of those players are still capable of hitting, you know, the top five world-class players?
1: Look, it's weird. Look, I criticise Rashford every week on this podcast, but it's probably him. And look, in terms of the ceiling, yes, Martial is a better footballer. He has far more ability than Marcus Rashford. But Marcus Rashford produces. And that is ultimately a huge part of being a footballer, which which makes a footballer... Hold on,
0: Martial produced last season. Let's not forget that.
1: Yeah, but we need to look at it now. He did. I know um, one matter he used to produce. David Beckham used to produce. They're not doing it now. And I uh, just, just think... As much as I've criticised Rashford, you just do have to look... at And he does have fantastic potential. And he is still young. He has been around a while, but he is still young. And you look at this season while his numbers are there, he's still going through the same challenges we've just mentioned with Martial and lockdown. And Rashford has a lot on his plate in terms of the outside stuff he's doing and the fantastic work he's doing. Man, so, he's uh, got
0: nothing on his plate. He's too busy giving all yeah, his exactly. food to everyone else. He, he doesn't go
1: hungry. But... um. It's a weird one, the Martial-Rashford debate. I look at it and say, Martial's a better footballer. But if I'm putting money on it, and it, I think it's the right answer now, is Rashford is going to have a far better career. And not only in football, but I think what which what we care about, a far better career at Manchester United, because you look at the numbers he's doing and the performance, and the, the contribution he's making, he's very much on track to become a United legend. And look, I'd love him to. I'd love him to break Wayne Rooney's goal-scoring record. Whether he I can. don't think he will. Yeah, no. look, I think if one person is going to it, probably be Mason Greenwood, um, which would be fantastic as well. But then mm-hmm. I look at that, which I've just mentioned with Rashford. I said Martial's a better footballer, but I say Rashford's going to have the better career, which is more important. And I could never see Anthony Martial breaking Wayne Rooney's goal-scoring record where I can see Marcus Rashford doing it. So it makes me a complete hypocrite of myself, but I guess that is being part of a football football
0: fan. Uh, it makes sense. We've sat here on this podcast and said Andreas Pereira is a better footballer than Scott McTominay, yet... I'm not it. letting in... Yeah, and I, uh, and I agree with you. Yeah, but I'm still... Exactly, you're still taking McTominay every day of the week. So, you know, there's more than being an excellent dribbler or being fantastic with the ball at your feet. There's, there's so many facets to a football match. I think someone did a statistic on football, and, and the average possession... Of I don't know if this was in the Premier League or not, but it was some level of professional football. The average time a player will have possession during a football match is something like three minutes.
1: Oh, it, so, it would be three minutes max.
0: Well, there you go. Like, so when you take that into account, what you do off the ball is so much more important. So you look at it in terms of work rate. Um, you know the, the drive. Um, unfortunately, I think Rashford just it comes more natural, and I think Martial's made strides to improve his work rate and I I think you know if you compare to what he was doing say under a Jose I think he's come a long way there but yeah as it currently stands I'm with you I think Rashford probably has a longer career at United but look if Martial wants to throw egg on our face and win the Ballon d'Or next season with by scoring 30 goals then um oh I'm here to support it and I think that's a good place to leave the podcast Tom um obviously we do have a massive game midweek uh we've got Roma so hopefully we'll be previewing or reviewing a victory there I keep saying previewing what's wrong with me I think I'm really tired Um, and as always if you are listening I hope you've enjoyed that one we try to give you a bit of different content given the uh, let's say uneventful uh, draw this morning Um, but if you are listening um, if you're on Apple please do give us a 5 star review Um, and the feedback we've been receiving has been awesome and we really do appreciate it so thank you to everyone who's been passing that on and, uh, yeah, Tom, I think we'll leave it there, mate. Uh, hopefully you'll get a good night's sleep and uh, I'll chat to you on Friday.
1: I'll chat to you then. Fingers crossed.
0: All right, cheers.